the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Back Tuesday, September 7, 2021. The phone number is 602-508-0960. Feel free to call in on anything you like. I'll get to calls in a moment. I just wanted to make one other, uh, plant one other flag of discussion for the next few days. I also want to get a sense of what has now become a very complex issue of commemorating 9-11, which this Saturday will mark 20 years. It's an odd thing when you have an administration that was building its most massive policy, the Afghanistan withdrawal, to tie it to and colligate it with the 9/11 anniversary so that we could be feel, we could feel good about a job well done or a war well ended well the opposite is now the case at almost every bleeding level at almost every bleeding level whether it has to do with the president keeping his word to fellow Americans much less allies and other citizens in Afghanistan, or for that matter, in other parts of the world, including NATO, by the way, or whether it includes the ongoing insult and assault, not only to our credibility, but to our moral sense, when you now learn that four out of the five, four out of the five captured on the battlefield, held at Guantanamo, released so that we could get Bo Bergdahl back, are now at the leading level of government in the Taliban. Six Americans lost their lives trying to rescue Bo Bergdahl after he deserted his post. Now we have four out of the five Taliban members who we held in Guantanamo, who were released so that we could get Bo Bergdahl back after those six others died, running the government that we are saying we now rely on, not only for intelligence, but the safe passage of Americans and allies on the ground. You know who the allies on the ground would be? Just take a moment. The allies on the ground would be people who worked with us or sided with us in opposing virulently, the government we are now relying on to exodus them to safe haven, harbor, or America and America. The insults and assaults on common sense and our moral sense are almost too much to bear. Almost. So I can understand very easily why, two days before the 9-11 anniversary, Joe Biden would want to shift the conversation entirely to COVID with an advanced notice of speech with six-point agenda. I don't know what those points will be. 
no clue. They might leak out. Mark me skeptical for them having to do with anything, anything that we can do that will mediate, moderate, or reduce the problem of this virus. My best guess is it will be doubling down or reinstantiating that which has been done and failed. Why do I say that which has been done and failed? Because every time something is being proposed by a governor, namely in California or Michigan or New York or Pennsylvania, it seems to be the redoing, the reprising of that which we have done before. If that which we had done before works, we wouldn't have to do it again. Jerry is in Phoenix. Hi, Jerry. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Seth. Long time no speak. Uh, I'm calling uh, regarding your comments about uh, the Bill Maher show a few weeks ago. Last weekend, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last weekend, Mm -hmm. yeah. This past weekend, right, Friday, yeah. I do watch that show. I watch Bill Maher. Do you agree with me? It's uh, when he when he gets serious. It's about as serious a con- and good a conversation you're going to find. Or do you disagree? Maybe oh. you disagree. No, I love Bill Maher. I watch him every week. I've watched him for about twenty years. Isn't isn't it odd though that you have to go to a comedian who's about twenty years famous <laughs> to get these yeah. kinds of serious? T- I I just think it's odd. I yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, but he has great guests, and he usually has guests from uh, both sides of the aisle. I don't know that he usually does. I think once yeah, in a does. while he does. No, he does. He, okay. He's brains in that respect. Who was he, it? Yes. Who was it this Friday? Uh, it was uh, uh, Jeffers uh, from the Family Council, uh, Family who? Research Council. Uh, Jim Jeffers, or I, I'm getting. I'm not it. sure, but this Friday's show, I watched the whole thing. It was. Uh, Andrew Sullivan, Max Rose, and Jackie Combs. Okay, well, Andrew Sullivan, and you may you may disagree, but Andrew Sullivan is a conservative. Or... Who left the Republican Party prominently in '04 and has never voted for a Republican since. Not really a conservative. I know well, he likes to claim it, but it's it's it's, but, it, it's but, uh, in any event. Yes, in any event, I um, I I agree with you on the obesity issue. I've I've agreed. Bill Maher has brought this up for years about obesity and how we need to attack it in our country. However, I, I find it a little rich that a conservative would agree with him because uh, Michelle Obama addressed this, tried to address this problem during the Obama administration with her Let's Move movement and trying to uh, redress uh, school meals for elementary school children, high school children. And she planted a vegetable garden in, at the White House, which Donald Trump uh, ripped out as soon as he moved in. Um, I, I find that if we tried to do this, if we tried to uh, uh, go on a national effort to combat obesity, we would get the same attitude uh, that some people have towards uh, the masks and the vaccines and so forth. And I'm sorry to, to use this phrase, but it's kind of a five-year-old mentality of you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. Isn't it and- really, though, an 18-year-old's mentality of... Um, an 18-year-old's mentality of personal responsibility? Yes, it is. By the way, I'm not sure you're right about whether Trump removed that garden or not, but I also don't think it means much. Uh, We can talk about the obesity initiative if you want, but I don't think the garden issue means much. I don't think we were saving a lot of lives with Michelle Obama's garden (laughs) one way or the other. It's a small point. I don't think it means much. It was symbolic. Okay, fine. It was symbolic to try to encourage people to eat better. Okay. You know, 
Um, Do me but, one favor, though, Jerry. We have fun yeah. with each other. I remember you uh, now, yeah. and it has been too long, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, make it less long in between calls. But do me a favor in between this call and your next one. Ask your friends how many of them knew that Michelle Obama planted a garden to prevent obesity. Okay. I just I, would be curious to know how many of, know of it. I, I, don't, I, I didn't think that. It was a very well known thing. A lot of my friends are liberals, so they probably well, I would be curious to know. I'd be curious uh, to know. Yeah, anyway, go but, on. Go on. Um, but uh, we, we do. Uh, you and I are, are, are the same age. Okay. And we, we grew up in an era where uh, PE was mandated in school through, from kindergarten through high school. In high school, you had to take three years of PE to graduate, at least in California we had to. We didn't now, care, but okay. My, my daughter uh, goes to high school. My son goes to high school here. One year. Yeah. That's yeah. All okay, good. To graduate in high school. Good. That's we agree. It should be, it should be, it should be more prevalent and, and, and uh, more, more common. I, I agree yeah. with you on that. We need to start teaching children uh, about nutrition and health and fitness from an early age, kindergarten. There's no reason why kindergartners, first graders... Now, did that graders. change? Because I remember being loaded with nutrition classes. I, I don't think they're okay. learning about it. Okay. I know my kids okay. didn't growing okay. up, and they're both in high well, school. While we're at it, you want to add math and American history, too, yeah. <laughs> that they should no. be learning that? I, I agree. Okay, I agree. go on, go on. Uh, um, and, and then we need to incentivize adults to, to exercise more and eat more. And right. I, I just, you know, I don't know what the answer is there, but maybe... Closing can... gyms is the wrong answer, don't you think? Yes, okay. I, I was a former gym owner myself. So oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. Yes, um, and uh, but I think maybe uh, an incentive would be to make gym membership tax deductible. You know, something like that. Uh, but uh, where the way you get people to do things in this country is you hit them in the pocketbook. Uh, well, that that's one. Or you could. I mean, I, there are ways to do it, and I'm not opposed to certain incentives that include, you know, tax incentives. I'm 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 not. Never have been. Jerry, but I do want to I do want to raise an issue here. Um, most of what I have complained about, and I think colleagues of mine who share my perspective, has not been the lack of incentives, but the level of mandatory punishments. Hmm. Gym owners okay. weren't given a choice. Gym members weren't given a choice. Right. Right. Church members weren't given a choice. AA members weren't given a choice. You can hold with me. You're welcome to stay. We'll come right back. You just can't have 80s without a little of the money, man, can you? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Lucky, don't go away if you can continue to hold. I want to take your call, others as well, but I want to finish up with uh, Jerry, who I uh, promised uh, the last word or at least another um, ability to complete his thoughts. Jerry, I don't know where – I don't recall where we left off, but if you wanted to make another point, you're more than welcome to. Sure. If, if I may steer the conversation sure. we were speaking about obesity. Yeah. And to, to derive a solution to a problem, you need to understand the cause of the problem. Sure. The cause of our obesity problem here in the United States is twofold. Um, it is a sedentary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when we were growing up, you and I, our fathers, a lot of our fathers, were blue collar workers. Their exercise was uh, was on the job. They were burning a lot of calories because they were on their feet all day and they were doing heavy lifting and moving and so forth. So they didn't need to work out. They were they were thin. They were in good shape. 
Now most of the jobs are sedentary behind a desk sitting at a computer, you know, where you're not burning many calories. The other, the other aspect of it is the prevalence and proliferation of fast food. Uh, when I was growing up and you were growing up, fast food restaurants were, you know, I wouldn't say few and far between, but there wasn't one on every corner like there is now. And people did not eat fast food on a regular basis. Now many people eat one or two fast food meals daily, if not all three of their meals consist of a fast food meal, which is high-density, high-calorie foods, very little nutritional value, very little fiber, very little vitamins or vegetables or fruits at all. You combine those two aspects and you have an obese society, you know. So we need to somehow attack both of those issues in a manner that people will be willing, to some respect, I understand there will be people who won't, that will be willing to change their habits. I don't fully disagree on a lot of it, but I think it leaves out a lot too, Jerry, and I worry about it. You know, I worry about, you know, grabbing a piece of this elephant and thinking we have the full thing or having something entirely different. You're right, certainly, about the different kinds of work modalities we're all in. But the truth is, and you know this from watching Mad Men or really any movie, that the businessman in America, the corporate businessman, has been sedentary for a long time. Yeah. And it's it's not exclusively the problem that we are putting men in front of computers and at desks all day long. We have a really rich problem, a much bigger problem, of men today who aren't going into an office and who are yet in front of a screen, but it has nothing to do with work or spreadsheets. It has to do with games and entertainment and pornography. We we have a higher number of that, of prime working age males, that is to say somewhere in the 25 to 55 age group, who are in by the millions just not a part of society or the workforce. Total couch potatoes. Now add an opioid epidemic. Now add a problem that has nothing to do with the workplace, but it has to do with military recruitment. Where all of a sudden did we get to a 75 percent or higher ineligibility to be serving in the military with our youth having to do with health and obesity? That's 18, 19 and 20 year olds. Those aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, prime working age males. There's a lot going on here. And it doesn't I don't think require a great deal to do something about it if we can get past the politically correct notions around it. You know, I asked you to ask your friends about how many knew of Michelle's garden. But Mm -hmm. ask yourself this. You like uh, you're you're good. You're you're good at the cultural history here. I don't know if you work in an office environment today. Do you by Mm -hmm. chance? I I work for myself. Okay, but you interact with people perhaps in office. Fair enough. Think about 25 years ago and 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And think about today. How many people 30 years ago would you run into in a given day who might be smoking a cigarette compared to today? Oh, right. Yeah, I, I heard you mention that. I, I, and, and, that and that took no punishment. Yeah. And it took no mandate other than the obvious age ones. 
Yeah. Which we've been – which we've had for, you know, at least since 72, right? I mean right. we can do this with messaging. I yeah. know people don't like to agree with this notion, but the data is absolutely clear. We actually did do it with drugs once upon a time. Yeah. We actually did do it between 1979 and 1992 with messaging. You remember all the messaging on TV. You see none now. Yeah. Now 93,000 yeah. have died last yeah. year. So I, I think there are ways to do this which allow for both individual responsibility and non-coercion, Jerry. And mm-hmm. I think it takes honesty from our leadership, and I don't think we've had it for a long time. Yeah. Fitness is one of my passions. Good. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, been, uh, I do triathlons. Like I mentioned, I uh, was a gym owner. So this is something I'm well-educated on. Yeah, and, good. And, uh, well, I mean, I just I, I hope one of the six points <laughs> is not closing gyms. And It's worse than just gyms. You know, this panic took us to directions no one thought it could take us. My producer right. and I are different kinds of runners. I do long distance. He does short. Mm-hmm. And he tries to go to the public um uh tracks to yeah. time himself he can't yeah. they've closed yeah. him why yeah. covid absurd yeah. yeah you are creating a less healthy human being yeah I, I i agree with that that was not the not the proper thing to do well i um, hope we don't do it again i just hope yeah. i hope we don't do it well check in with me thursday all right or whenever you want it's been too long since i've heard from you and it's always Always, uh, always great to do so, Jerry. I, I once told you I was going to have you in for an hour, and I still want to commit to that. It's just because of COVID protocols, it's become difficult, and I have to obey them. We have certain people that can come in based on certain protocols, but you understand, I hope. And meantime, stay on the phone. We'd love having you. Lucky is in Scottsdale. Hello, Lucky. Hello, hello. I have to say thank you, thank you for all that you do for us and all of your educated and well um spoken audience it gives us great hope the audience is as including you fabulous thank you i wanted to um make a u-turn for just a moment uh today i heard on the news that actually in gitmo we still have khalid sheikh omar uh, Muhammad, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, yes. known as and, uh, aka uh, the mastermind of uh, 9-11. Uh, and uh, five or more of his cohorts. And that actually he is having another trial today. He went back Once to trial there. today, exactly. Can you do me a favor, After Lucky? This. I've asked patience of you before. I have to take this commercial break. I'll sure. pick up with you right on the other side. And, of course, room for more as well. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's Thano and Dimitri Sanis playing, I think, never on a Sunday. I saw Dimitri this weekend. We're in a weight loss competition here. <laughs> we'll see who gets there first. Lucky, thank you for your uh, patience. Uh, you were calling in about Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and the prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. Um, I am just aghast at the fact that they are still there. And that they are have a female defense team, probably paid with my taxpayer money. Clearly, this country has no will to bring these terrorists to justice, either at Gitmo or Afghanistan. 
I would really like to hear what you have to say about this. Thank you for the call, Lucky. It's I took a deep breath because it's um, it's such an emo- it's it's I, I I just emailed I just sent an email to Judea Pearl. I don't know if you know that name. He's a math professor. His son was Daniel Pearl, who was a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, who Khalid Sheikh Mohammed bragged about physically, personally beheading after he was forced to confess that he was an American and a Jew. I think about that when I think about my earlier statement. Many of you probably tired of hearing, but I still think important, which is my worry that we never, from September 11th on, we were never the country anymore that had the kind of willpower and what it takes, moral sensibility, to fight the kind of war we would need to fight, to have the kind of victory we would need to have, which is to, if not rid the world of these monsters, than at least to quiet it substantially, to let them know we won and they lost. An imagery that's hard to take over the last two weeks and be able to utter. A phrase that's hard to utter given the imagery of the last three weeks. And when I think about the way we fought those wars... And how we handled them. I'm thinking about FDR. And I'm thinking about something a lot of people don't know about in history. But German saboteurs, German terrorist spies that came to our shores circa 1942. That we captured. And by, by, years, by year's end had sentenced. Including to death including to death, by year's end. And here we are, as you point out, Lucky, dealing with a man who's been in our custody for the vast majority of the last 20 years, at least, what, 17 years, who's fed and sheltered by your tax dollars. Now, some will say the slowness of the trial, some will say the slowness of the trial has to do with the government and its desire to keep from the public or keep from the trial some of the methods we used to interrogate those that got us Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, including some of the methods we used on him. And if you want to call me callous, you can. If you want to call me insensitive, you can. If you want to call me immoral, you can. But every time I hear about that position, I think about 200 Americans. I think of 200 Americans. What 200? 200 that were forced to jump from the top of the World Trade Center because they knew what awaited them 
after their jump was better than what they were living with at the very moment that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed caused. They grabbed tablecloths. They grabbed whatever they could to use as temporary parachutes. Those tablecloths were ripped from their hands as these 200 bodies reached 150 miles per hour for 10 seconds until they were pulverized. And I think about what went through their heads for those 10 seconds. And I think about what's going through America's head when it takes such exquisite care of the Khalid Sheikh Mohammeds of the world. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Portions of which are brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs. It's the company I use, the company I know well. I've met the owners, I've been to the warehouse and talked to the people, and I've hired them and used them. They are fantastic. A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Trades Unlimited. Repairs, installations, inspections. Maybe for some of you it's time to consider a foam roof. If you have a flat roof, the benefits of foam are obviously insulation from the heat, water, and also noise. If you have a foam roof that's five years old, Trades Unlimited wants you to know it's time to have it inspected and recoded because it can get bubbles and holes due to the sun beating down on it. And before the leaks begin, you want that recoding. Give Trades Unlimited a call for any of your roofing needs, from foam to shingle, you name it. 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775. Or check them out at tradesunlimited.com. That's tradesunlimited.com. Our good friend Dana and Chandler. Hello, Dana. Hello, Beth. I um, am wishing you a very happy and healthy New Year today. And to you as well. Thank you. We definitely are hoping for, you know, healthier, for sure. <laughs> Happier and healthier. Yeah, yeah. Um, According to the, you want, you want my one bad joke on this? Yeah, sure. I love bad jokes. You do? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So what year is this supposed to be in the Jewish calendar? 5782. 5782. Good for you. You get a gold star. 5782. Here's the problem. This year has passed so fast. I can't believe it's 5782 already. I just got used to writing 5781 on my checks. <laughs> Can you imagine if you did that? That's People my bad joke. Like you That's crazy. my one bad joke. Okay. Go ahead. No, we see you were talking about exercise, and I, 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 I take offense to that. I'm in the fitness protection program. I'm hiding from exercise. I absolutely hate it. But that being said, my my hobby, my passion, my full time job, you know, is running a dog farm. Yes, and I do the, know. The farm, it it's not your job; it's your life. Wait, it is, yeah. but but it is my choice. You know, I, I, it is my choice. It's not for everybody, but it is. Physically demanding. It's not just, you know, sitting on a couch and petting dogs. I'm, I'm grooming. I'm cleaning. I'm doing laundry. I'm, you know, constantly working with them. We walk a minimum of three miles a night because we, you know, we have a lot of dogs to walk every Perfect. night. And I so mean, that's regular exercise. That's regular exercise. Yeah. So you know, it's 
it's different, but it's certainly not a sedentary lifestyle. And Well, if you're walking three you know, miles a night, I can have the stats checked on this, but I'm pretty confident in saying that you're uh, in doing better than 80% of the American people. That's not an exaggeration. You'd be surprised. But I think you're doing Probably. I think you are. Um, but it's not a choice. You know, if I don't do it, they'll eat me. <laughs> I don't do it because it's fun or for me. I do it for them. Um, but, but so when you talk about, you know, gyms being closed, one of the things I think people have, have forgotten about is all of these people that have been locked up in their homes whose hobbies keep them in shape. You know, when I'm getting ready to go to a dog show, it's not just getting the dogs ready and packing and driving and, and, you know, the, the physical part of, of being at the shows and, and, you know, being gone from home for the weekend and then catch up when I get home from the weekend and, all of those things have gone by the wayside. You know, I used to be able to do about a show a month. Um, and, and those things kept me in shape and, and, you know, constantly moving and working. And I've, I've had to give those things up. You know, I'm lucky if I get now a show every couple of months. Um, so there's, there's a whole another aspect to this staying in shape thing and with COVID that, that I don't think we've even realized the impact of that. And then... You know, we've got kids who are at school all day, whose moms and dads work, who basically are at school from, you know, six or seven o'clock in the morning until five o'clock at night. And, and they're not outside playing. You know, we, we used to be out playing kick the can and stuff all the time. You know, we'd get called in for dinner and that was really the only time you came home. And kids just don't do that anymore. You know, we don't send them out to play in the streets or at the park down the street because everybody's, you know, too afraid of whatever they're afraid of, mm-hmm. if their kids go to the park or get hurt mm-hmm. or, you know, crazy people, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so much bigger than just something as simple as, you know, people being in a sedentary lifestyle. Oh, I know it is. I know, of course it is. Of course it is. And there's, there's, there's a holistic approach that I'm in favor of when it comes to all these things that affect America's public health. But the problem is that until... Mm, March of last year, until March of last year, this country didn't get serious about issues of public health. And if it did, it got serious about only one part of it. I've been talking about mental health for 20 years. I'm still having my words fall on deaf ears. That evidently is a part of health no one wants to confront or too few want to, I should say. Of course, there are people who want to, but too few, including in this government, including when we raise the issues having to do with COVID mediation and our children. Absolutely. Our children are not at risk in the manner that the rest of society wants us to think they are or that the rest of society is, in fact, and should stop projecting its fears and worries on our children. That's not what children are for. That's not what adults are for. And children should not have to pay the price for adult decisions either. And they are. And whenever I try to bring that up, the health of the children, some of the deficits you will see now, some of which you are creating lifelong deficits in When we talk about that, Dana, you or I talk about that, we get shut down because that's an aspect of the public health conversation that we cannot engage in because it impinges upon a preset narrative. It also empowers families, and that the progressives can't have.
Am Absolutely. I wrong? Absolutely. And and no, and and uh, you know, and and taking people's hobbies and and families away from each other, you know, obviously we're celebrating a holiday and I had no family for dinner last night. I had a couple of friends, but my family's all too afraid. What is that doing to our children? What is that doing, you know, the message we're sending and to our And not kids? just children. We can talk about the adults, too, who are most at oh, risk. Oh, it's terrible. How about, it's how about my best my friend's health. dad, who's 84, who has to do this alone two years in a row, and not just yeah. once a year, has to do it alone. He always did it with his families and grandchildren. Can't. Not in the state he lives in. I don't mean physical or mental. I mean geographic, not in the state he lives in. Dana, I um, I remember the Nation at Risk report, report out of the Department of Education in 1983 that said if a foreign power wanted to declare war on America, it could do few things as well as affecting our education system the way it had. That was 1983. It seems to me if a foreign nation wanted to harm us, Maybe giving us a disease, maybe not. I don't. I don't care that that's the important point here. But if a foreign nation wanted to harm us, what would it do? It would go after our children. It would go after our churches. It would go after our synagogues, and then it would go after our physical health. I was just listening to that. Up. Editorial, verbal editorial by Jerry Boyer on Sirhan Sirhan. Did you catch his last point? It went by quickly. Boy, is it powerful. Boy, is it powerful. When you think about JFK and RFK, one was killed by a uh, one was killed by a communist, and the other by a Palestinian terrorist. Absolutely true. The Warren Commission concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald was a communist. And there's no doubt about what Sirhan Sirhan's motives were. He wrote them in his diary and repeated them on live interviews, in, in live interviews, routine, routine number of times. Remember the name Rosie Greer? I know Bill does. I know Bill does. I don't know. It's funny how some of these people, like, I don't know, is it like one one guy every two years in the NFL just becomes so famous he's going to be famous the rest of his life. Is that is that is Rosie Rosie Greer? Why do we know Rosie Greer? Out, I mean, most people don't know him for the RFK story, and I don't think that's why people know him. Same. Why do we know Lyle Alzado? Right? There's just something about some of these guys. You know, they're going to be known for the rest of their lives and beyond. In the case of Lyle Alzado, Rosie Greer's still alive. He was Bobby Kennedy's bodyguard, and. The reason I raise it is because there's all this nonsense about, from Robert Kennedy Jr., Sirhan Sirhan not being the guilty party. There's doubt about Sirhan Sirhan's guilt. By the way, not doubt other family members who are Robert Kennedy's children or widowed bride, Ethel, agree with. Ethel thinks Sirhan Sirhan did it. Why wouldn't you? He said he would do it. He admitted to doing it. But here's Rosie Greer in an interview. Quote, So I see... Rosie Greer, who was Bobby Kennedy's bodyguard. 
so I see George Plimpton has the gun pointed at his face, and I'm concerned that this is going to go off, gun being in Saran Saran's hand. So I put my hand under the trigger housing, and I pulled back the hammer so it couldn't strike. I wrench the gun from Sirhan. I find the pin, and I ripped it out and held it, and now I have the gun in my hand, and I put it in my pocket until the police arrived. You really think Sirhan Saran didn't do it? Honestly? The guy who says he's going to do it confessed to doing it, and you have still living live eyewitness reports like that who say they took the gun out of his hand? I'll give you something you didn't know. I didn't. I thought I knew a lot about this. I didn't know this. Bill Ayers, who started Barack Obama's political life in his living room, dedicated a book to Saran Saran. Do you know that? I didn't. Recently, I learned it. Dedicated a book to a terrorist who killed Robert Kennedy. There's your progressive left. There's your man who gave us Obama, who also gave us Biden. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.